0: The following episode of The Book Guys is rated explicit for content and may contain lots and lots of violence. Book
1: guys.
0: Books. Audiobooks. Audio dramas. Podcasts. Book Guys Show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free times. Uh, book Guys. This is the Book Guys Show and we are back for another week to talk about books, audiobooks, audio dramas, and podcasts. My name is Paul the Book Guy. And I'm in Toronto, Canada, and so is our good friend Greg Ott. Hello, Greg. Hola. ¿Cómo está, amigo? Uh, está bien. And in North Carolina of the US of A, the one and only... Sir Jimmy.
2: Buenos tardes.
0: <laughs> I love it. we get the Spanish going. <laughs> and we are joined this week all the way from California, by the host of Tech News Today and Sword and Laser and so many other fine shows. Tom Merritt. How you doing, Tom? Bonjour. <laughs> Just surprised me there with a little bit of a jingle. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Welcome to Book Mountain, Tom. And of course, Tom is joined by his partner in crime from Sword and Laser, the lovely... Veronica
3: Belmont. Hello, Veronica. <laughs> Hola, me llamo ama- me Veronica. ¿Cómo están ustedes?
0: <laughs> Muy bueno. I think Jeff Smith has put a lot more love into Veronica's jingle than any of the other jingles. I'm making
3: that my ringtone. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) I'll email it to you after the show, but (laughs) I think he literally put more love into yours than anyone else's.
3: Can I hear it again?
0: (laughs) Sure, you sure can. Veronica (laughs) (laughs) Belmont.
3: It's the greatest thing
0: I've ever heard. Uh,
4: after that, I feel like a redheaded stepchild.
1: <laughs> I was it. getting ready to sing my own. I was so happy you had the book well,
0: well, well, That's the whole thing. Tom, you don't want to hear that. Tom, you and I get this. We get.
3: Tom Merritt. I, I,
0: I feel depressed listening to yours. Listen to mine. Paul the Book Guy. I'm still depressed. Very <laughs> and, stark. And you know, actually, I think he likes Sir Jimmy. Sir Jimmy.
4: Jimmy's a
0: pimp but he, cert- right. he certainly loves Veronica let's move on now, uh, constant readers normally we are live on Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak's No Agenda stream just letting you know if you're listening live on the stream this Sunday we may or may not be in the chat room because uh, we're recording on Wednesday night to make uh, accommodations for Veronica and Tom uh, because you know, Veronica is doing uh, Game On I believe at uh, Sunday this time mm-hmm. and, uh, yes and, how and are you Ron- doing that <laughs> you're in both places <laughs> love that show
3: because I'm from the future.
4: Yeah. She has a DVR. <laughs> she DVRs herself.
0: <laughs> and and, and uh, Veronica and Tom do a, a book show together called Sword and Laser, which is a fantasy sword and a science fiction laser related book show. So why don't we just start off uh, the Book Guys show with uh, you guys telling us our constant li- listeners all about uh, Sword and Laser. Tom, Veronica, please.
1: Sure. I although I do want Jeff Smith to come in and sing the like last two words of everything you say now. Sword
3: <laughs> sort and of laser. I think you the, got cancer.
0: <laughs> you know I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna email Jeff Smith. I, I want a Veronica Belmont full length song. I want him to like sell it on iTunes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That'd be rad. But to answer the question, uh, Surn <laughs> Laser started uh, after Veronica left CNET uh, and we weren't doing Buzz Out Loud anymore. Uh, we wanted to keep working together on something. And it was your idea, Veronica, to do a science fiction and fantasy book club online.
3: Did it start after I left CNET? I feel like it started while we were... Because didn't we record we the first couple episodes at CNET?
1: We may have started discussing saw, no. it while you were still there. I, think, I think we, we snuck, snuck
3: into leaving. the audio podcast recording studio and recorded a few episodes.
1: I know we did that, but I thought you were already gone. Right? Oh,
3: was I already gone then? Oh, yeah. I don't remember. Okay. Well, yeah, it was, It uh, It was. It was. Uh, I guess it was my idea. Um, and we actually, yeah, it wasn't originally supposed to be a podcast. It was just supposed to be a book club. And then it turned into a podcast because that's all we knew how to do. Nice. And so we did that <laughs> um, after the first couple of books. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been going on for four or five years now.
0: Brilliant. Uh, I got to ask you, your theme song. Who made your theme song? I love it. It's so Sword and Laser.
3: <laughs> Thank you. It was uh, Josh Lawrence, actually, a good friend of both of ours. Um, he he composed and, and wrote the song. And it's, it's one of my favorite things, too. I get it stuck in my head all the time.
1: <laughs> I got to say, Sword and Laser is sort of the spiritual successor for me of a book club that Josh Lawrence organized. It was like a real life book club where we would read, get together in person. And that that sort of fell apart. And then a year or so later, we started Sword and Laser, and I felt like, oh, I've, I've got that back. I've got the yeah. hang out with the geeks and talk about sci-fi and fantasy. So it was cool.
0: Yeah, and so you've guys, got you've got quite a large uh, Goodreads group, and I just joined recently. And it's 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 that kind of thing. You know, when you're when you're doing podcasts, you have a lot less time to actually listen to podcasts and be involved in podcasts. But mm-hmm. uh, so just recently, I, I love your show. I've been listening to it for the longest time. I just haven't had time to join it. But you have like eight thousand. Uh people really involved in there and actively following you on goodreads
3: yeah, I think we actually uh i think we're around almost at six thousand um we We gained about a thousand uh Goodreads members in the past week alone nice um which is pretty awesome because of the geek and sundry announcement um but it's it's Goodreads has been very, very good to us. We started on on Ning, which was another online forum um but then when we discovered Goodreads i mean they 're so book centric it just yeah. made sense for us.
0: Now now you were an audio podcast you still are and you know you're moving to video now what's going to change when you uh, move to uh, Geek and Sundry now every second weeks now going to be a, a video podcast
1: yeah, this has been a, a point of concern that we keep trying to let people know who, who already l- listen to the audio podcast. Not much is going to change on the audio podcast side, except that you'll get the podcast more regularly. Up until now, I mean, we started, we would only do a, a show for the kickoff and the wrap up, and then we started doing the shows more often, but they've always still been sort of like, oh, we can't do it this Monday. Well, we'll get one next Monday. And now it's going to be pretty regularly every other week. Because in the off weeks, right. we'll be doing the video show, but we're not just taking the video and repurposing it as the audio show. We're going to have an audio version of the Sword and Laser Book Club where we, we talk about the books and read feedback the way we do now. It might get a little more uh, concentrated on the book because we can offload some of the things, especially things about TV and movies to the video show, right. which will also have author interviews and, and video feedback from people that we, we can actually show people's faces. So what mm-hmm. makes sense for video, we'll do in our, our video show and we'll continue to do the audio show separately.
0: Now, now Tom, I heard you guys mention that also, though, uh, if if someone really wants to listen to the video show, it'll still make sense to them? Should. Yeah. I mean, I should hope so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and uh, I've actually sent off a letter to Tim Cook I'm, I'm sure he's just dying to respond to me because there's a problem in iOS. If if you listen to a, or you're, you're watching a video in iOS and you lock your screen, it shuts down the video.
3: So the thing with our show is that it's actually only going to be available on YouTube. Um, It's not going to be available as a uh, video podcast in iTunes. Um, No, I uh, video show. show. The audio podcast will will still be available in iTunes uh, as normally, Um, but we have you know YouTube wants people to watch the video on YouTube, and so we can only distribute it through that that method. Um, So you can watch it at your computer, you can watch it on your phone, but it's not going to work in your in your regular iTunes. Oh, absolutely, uh,
0: Veronica, and I love your show, and that's why I emailed Tim Cook and said, in the YouTube app on iOS. If, if I lock, oh, okay. if gotcha. I lock the screen, it'll it'll stop you from talking. Even oh, that's though that's annoying, yeah. All I want to do is listen to the show because you know I might not have time to watch it, and I'll try to watch it as often as I can. But uh, if I want to listen to it on the go, I can because as soon as you lock it in your pocket, it turns off uh, sword and laser. So I had to I, email the CEO directly. I'm sure he's going to email as soon as he can. He'll get right on that. I'm
2: sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys he's a big have fan. your. You guys just had your first live show, like, uh, not a few days ago? Well, um, not well, live. We,
3: no. It, yeah, the show's never going to be live. Um, we, we recorded our first episode yesterday. Um, it won't go live until the 13th. Yeah,
0: I heard you had you guys, uh, Scott Sigler yeah. on.
1: Go, That's right. Go. Scott Sigler is our first uh, guest author, a uh, guy that I really admire, the way that he started with podcasting, uh, the amount of energy he has. He He says in our interview that he's got, like, how many sequels did he say already? No, not sequels, 16? but other books Was it lined 12, up? Yeah.
3: 16, something like that.
1: It's insane. And uh and, and so yeah, we get we get a chance to chat with him. And one of the cool things that we're gonna do, the Sword and Laser show will have an interview with him where we'll we'll propose some of the the top questions from the Goodreads forum. But then after we stopped recording for that show we kept going and asked him the rest of the questions we'll put that out as bonus footage oh
0: wicked you know we had him on a couple of weeks ago and uh, he's the guy obviously at the top of the show who says there may be lots and lots of violence in the book guys show because you know we try to warn the kiddies to, uh, you know uh, just because of content we, we try not to swear but uh, sometimes uh, the book uh, subject matter is uh for adults only, so uh Scott was nice enough to make that for us. (laughs) Yeah, his book
3: trailer scares the crap out of me.
1: Scott (laughs) was torn apart limb from limb by our dragon. Uh so (laughs) they're I'm
0: looking forward to your dragon. He's almost like the dragon in uh in Merlin, the BBC show. Mm Is is he gonna pop in and talk to you guys once in a while? Who
1: does who does the voice for that? Maybe we could get him <laughs> I think
3: he's, about, he's not going to talk this year. Someone
0: really famous. Yeah, you need, you need uh, even if he's not famous, you need a British actor to do the Sean the Connery. Yes, he's already yes. done one. Someone
3: successful not drag famous him.
0: at all. <laughs> yeah, Sean Connery has Terpster. nothing else to do. The oh, Terpster. Oh, John
1: Hurt. John Hurt is the voice of the dragon in, in Merlin. Uh,
0: you know, you know uh, before we, we start off the Terpster show,
1: to it. uh, Tom that I'm much t- faster on IMDb than <laughs> I am. Yeah, it's exactly where I got it.
0: Veronica, before we start off the show, I just want to let you know Greg has healed you quite often in the in the world of Warcraft.
1: Have you? <laughs> you no,
4: know, that one time Utgard Pinnacle. I, I didn't want to get all geeky on it, but yeah, there was one time where we ran Utkart Pinnacle together. But, nice.
3: What's your what's your tune name?
4: Uh, at that time, I was running Jandon.
3: Cool. Sure. Yeah, uh, I am. I have not. All right, this is kind of. Be shock some people, and it's especially going to shock Scott because uh, I'm going on the instance on Friday. Um, but I have not played World of Warcraft since BlizzCon. Oh,
0: coincidence!
4: <laughs> I had to so, give it up as well. So there you go.
3: Yeah, but I just downloaded the uh, the the new uh, the beta for for pandas. Ooh, so I'll be playing some pandas this weekend. <laughs> is that a congratulations or is that um, well, I'm so sorry?
4: No, congratulations <laughs> on getting the beta and, and you know. Getting oh yeah, it
1: that's yeah, that's great. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now oh, usually usually we start <laughs> off the show. I have with... been playing World of Warcraft since BlizzCon mm-hmm. semi regularly.
3: Oh, nice. Glad First World Azeroth problems.
1: I'll give you another
4: Warcraft book one of these days.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we've tried to do some World of Warcraft books, but uh... I, had to, I had to go cold turkey on those as well. Uh, usually we start off the show with, uh, what are you reading? Uh, doesn't have to be a thumbs up or, you know, thumbs down the book. In fact, you may have just started the book, by just a mention of what you're it's currently on your iPad, Kindle, or what's in your purse or your man purse. Uh, I'm just going to ask, uh, go around the table. Veronica, what's on, what's in your purse?
3: Um well right now I am reading our our uh, upcoming book pick for Sword and Laser, The Magicians by Love Grossman. Um I'm also reading a book for uh our my other book club, Vaginal Fantasy, um, called The Iron Duke. Nice. Uh did you know Tom. I did another book club called Vaginal Fantasy.
2: Yes, yeah, so what's the one you're slogging through? Do you say you're gonna finish it no matter what? Oh, the heroes.
0: And, yeah, and Veronica, cool. we are aware of uh, Vaginal Fantasy. I believe there's the, you know, there's 5E and you can click on who's talking. It's great. I mm-hmm. love that system on, on YouTube. How'd you get that going?
3: That's, um, that's a live Google Hangout.
0: Ah, nice. Yeah. Okay. So that is really uh, well done. Yeah,
3: yeah they're, cool. they're a lot of fun. They do that. All that happens automatically. It, it picks who's speaking based on, you know, what cameras is outputting audio at that moment.
0: Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, what's in your Kindle iPad? What's on your nightstand? I
1: am uh, about three quarters of the way through Empire State on my on my Kindle app, um, which was one of our alternate picks back in January, and I just never got done with it. Uh, I'm also re-listening to The Magicians, uh, which I have already read, but I uh, just want to kind of refresh myself for the show, because that's our April pick, as you, as you mentioned. Yes. And I've um, also been listening to... Uh, Red Seas, Red Sky, as by Scott Lynch, which is the sequel to *Lies of Locke Lamora*, which was our last *Sword and Laser* pin.
0: Brilliant, mm-hmm. which so, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I know if you, uh, Tom of Rock, I know, but Sir Jimmy is the evil book guy because uh, he is uh, not only the owner but the proprietor and the the master chef over at uh, FreeHollowBooks.com. So quite often, when he reads a book, when he's done, he carves out the content and makes it into a hollow book. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. second use, Sir Jimmy. What's on your uh, nightstand, or, or or on the like the, the table where you carve books up?
2: Yeah, what's on the chopping block? Yeah. <laughs> we've got we've got Rick Lentz, the um, North of Hollywood. It's a story about a guy and what Hollywood's really like. Ooh,
3: hmm. nice. and what is Hollywood really like?
2: Oh, who knows? who knows? Who I'm, knows? I'm on page six. <laughs> oh, how is gotcha. it so far? Oh, oh, it's it's captivating.
0: He's licking his lips. He's dying to carve a big hole in the middle of it and put it on for y'all. Do you carve time. as you read or do you wait till the end? <laughs> oh, do you,
1: do you no, have you like awesome. six, six pages carved out already?
2: I can carve much faster than I can read, sir. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> I, I was sense. telling Tom earlier, Veronica, I sent uh, Molly Wood uh, a book probably two or three years ago. And she uh, she pulled it out on Mailbag and she said she was going to keep her hooch inside of it and... it was pretty it was like one of one of the last mailbag episodes sad to see that show go so many good shows
0: and Mr. Greg what's on your uh, Kindle iPad
2: well
4: I'm gonna do the uh, back and forth on book five of Song of Ice and Fire with uh, between the Kindle (laughs) uh, the audiobook, and the soft cover that uh, I got from my friend at the library you know Teresa and also from uh, my friend my friend Teresa from the library she got um the Game of Thrones graphic novel, which just came out, and uh, yeah,
0: well, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll t- we'll
4: touch on that a little bit later. She, and I- she can't put, but she uh, she had to give it to me because uh, she can't put this in the uh, high school library.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, something about a uh, titty content. <laughs> too, too many breasteses. No, oh no, a,
2: that's a lake in South America.
0: <laughs> too, too too many for the high school library. Anyways, but yeah, we'll talk Wait, about there's that. There's more one. than two. Is that why there are too many? <laughs> 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 but but it's, I know, Greg, uh, you almost pulled a parachute on uh, book four of Game of Thrones, and we'll talk about that well, later.
4: Okay, I'd like to. Re- i I'd, I'd like. You, to, you almost Your Honor, had a, I'd
0: like to recant. Uh, you almost had a premature uh, parachute pulling on that on the series. Wow. <gasps>
2: Oh, I, I think you may have something people? in uh, common with Tom. He's he's not too happy with one of those books.
1: Uh, I've got what? He, what with Song of Ice and Fire. Uh,
2: we'll touch
4: I on later. I have never loved
1: George R. R. Martin. Why
4: don't we just do this now, Mr. Paul? Okay, I just wanted last episode. I made a big deal about saying that Mr. George R. R. Martin was not my favorite because of this book. For
0: well, let's let's Back play a jingle then, because I love jingles. Fantasy. Let's just. Screw the show notes. <laughs> well, I thought you may perhaps because of
4: the frequency that I did, I do this. No, I know, and, and we talk daily. You actually do uh, a, a, a recanting jingle that would be
0: in, in the real life. Uh, Greg and I work at a post printing place, and uh, he's actually my employer. <laughs> so uh, nice, and we, we talk daily. And uh, I knew that he was just frustrated with book four of the, you know, the, of the Song of Ice and Fire, and then, and uh, he was ready to pull the parachute. Book four. <laughs> I mean, really. I, I never get into a book four of a series and want to pull the chute. Uh, sorry, Greg, please. I did
3: that. I did that, actually. I did that with, um, um, what's it called? The Robert Jordan uh, Wheel, Wheel of, time of Time series. Yeah, I oh. gave up on book four.
0: Yeah. Oh, you, you, you completely, you pulled the parachute, you jumped I, out the I lemmed
3: it at book four.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay.
4: If it wasn't for Paul saying that it was his favorite uh, series of all times, I probably would not have gotten through all of The Dark Tower. Silence. There we go. All
1: right. I, got the, I got through not only all of the Dark Tower, but most of the ancillary books as well. We should talk about those one of these days. I have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the thing that I, I'd like to
4: recant, book four, book four actually did redeem itself in the last four or five chapters. It came around, it tied some things up, and it dropped um, a moderate um, – Cliffhanger. Of course, we know that there's supposedly going to be seven books in this series. So my, my natural assumption was by the, by the middle of book four, I would have learned or I would have met all of the major characters. And you but, would be wrong. And I would be wrong. <laughs> and uh, so I've come up with a new, new analogy for this. And I'm guessing that if, if this story, if this seven books is a gun – Book four is him very slowly, very methodically opening up the chamber and very looking you straight in the eyes and putting new bullets into the <laughs> chamber where all the bullets are characters because, you know, he's going to need them all because he's going to shoot them off just like he did in book three. That's there you go. If characters no. were bullets, <laughs> book four is him reloading.
2: That was oh, beautiful, Greg. Thanks, I man. love that. Great. <laughs>
1: Uh, the, way, you know, uh, the way George R. Martin has told it, uh, it, it's that he wanted four and five to be one book and there was too much. Yeah. And it, so it, it, it would be more like he realized he had 12 bullets and only a six shooter. And so he he, he just <laughs> couldn't fit all the bullets. Yeah, I, can, you know, I can see that as well. Mr.
0: Yeah. Greg, uh, uh, Mr. Tom, uh, part of the problem is when you get into a book four situation, where books one through three have sold a gajillion copies is that the editors get more lax with you. And we had this discussion with uh, Chris, the book guy, when we were talking about 112263. And uh, we, we decided that 112263 was a good book. But if, uh, if it had been Stephen King's first book, it probably would have been, you know, 50,000 less words and been a better book. Just, just yeah, saying.
1: Look at, look at the stand as an example of him going back and saying, Haha, now that I'm Stephen King, right. I'm, going, I'm going to put out a longer version.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, uh, it's like they say, uh, a 200,000-word book, uh, book and a 250,000-word book. The only difference is those 50,000 words are in the 200,000-word book. It's just the editor, you know, made it right. <laughs> Uh, on my nightstand, uh, actually, I, I'm between books right now. Uh, there's a book that has intrigued me, uh, not only Carly's Voice. Greg, thank you very much for uh, talking about that last week. I am going to look into that about the uh, the autistic child uh, who wrote the, wrote the book with her dad. Well, we're definitely going to showcase that, and I have ordered some copies for us. But uh, my next book on the horizon is In Pursuit of the Unknown, 17 Equations That Changed the World by Ian Stewart. And uh, he's a professor at Warwick University in the UK in uh, in England. And uh, basically, it takes these 17 equations that changed the world out of their mathematical ivory tower and uh, brings them down to earth. And for someone like my, myself, who is really bad at advanced math, uh, Greg, you know the story about me and math. I, all of them. <laughs> I did grade 10 math. Uh, Veronica, Tom. Sir Jimmy, Greg, please. I did grade 10 math a few times. And I've told Greg the story before. Uh, The third time I took grade 10 math, it was a gentleman named, God bless you, Mr. Rodriguez, uh, who handed me the course material on the first day of math class and said to the class, he said, Paul will be teaching this class this year, (laughs) starting tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> and which forced me to learn the material because I, I you know, I had come home and I had to learn the material and teach the class, and that's the, the only way I passed grade 10 math. And I don't consider myself an you know an idiot or you know unintelligent, I just not good at you know, math. And but you uh, still gotta see. <laughs> but I passed. Uh-huh. I passed. No <laughs> right. Whatever the number was for passing, I passed. But the the author of this book uh, doesn't force you to teach grade 10 math like I did. But uh, he does explain these equations in a way that anyone can understand. And just how important can these 17 equations really be? Well, the author says that we couldn't exist without them. He says, and I'm quoting here, we'd have food, we'd have housing, but almost everything else we think of as the modern world would be something that we simply wouldn't have. And as soon as I heard that line, Everything we think of as the modern world would be something we wouldn't have. I thought this is fascinating. And, and they claim that the, you know, the 17 equations will be explained in a, in a simple manner where I can understand it. I'm going to give it a try, see what happens. And you're, you're talking E equals MC squared being the most basic all, all the way up to, you know, 17 equations. I'm going to give it a shot.
4: That's, that sounds a lot like an old uh, BBC sh- uh, series that I watched when I was in high school. It was really interesting. It was called Connections. I okay. always took like how the wagon wheel influenced the size of the space shuttle. Like, wow. be, just because some, some guy back in, yeah, like, it, there was, it was always these, these fantastic connections yeah. and it would be like how, how somebody back in the 1800s decided that, you know, uh, one measurement was going to be between your wrist and your elbow. And that's why the space shuttle is that big.
0: Okay. And like I do normally on most uh, episodes, Greg, I'm going to chime in with my uh, completely uh, unrehearsed facts here. The space shuttle was designed in the 19, late 1930s by Nazi scientists. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like everything else, we have that's cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so <Like> Skyrim and <laughs> uh, Skyrim, Skyrim. Obviously, duh, Nazi scientist. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna start. <laughs> to, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna talk about some uh, strange author facts today. Uh, but before we do, I have to announce a contest that we're having at bookguys.ca and Bookgirls.ca. Uh, I don't know, Tom and Veronica, if you know, but we are launching a new show soon, bookgirls.ca. We've got a bunch of bookgirls uh, lined up, and uh, I'm going to get my grubby, male, greasy hands off it soon, and they're going to launch their own <laughs> show. Uh, we're going to basically be brother and sister podcast kind of thing. And, and, and Veronica, I have to – you know what? I'd kick myself if I didn't ask. We got a spot. If, if you might consider – being an occasional it could be once a year, once a month. Book girl come in and talk to the book girl. <laughs> I don't know what about once on a month, spot. but
3: <laughs> That's
0: a lot of pressure. Wow. Once a year. I would love to be
3: a guest sometime.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Um before we go that uh thanks uh thanks to our friends at Netflix. Now, you know guys, a couple of weeks ago I was bitching about Netflix and you know, I haven't been a Netflix subscriber for a while. And uh, I, I did have some derogatory things to say about you know Canadian Netflix because it is much inferior to the United States Netflix. Here, here. That's, That's right, right. But uh, sir, right. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree, sir Greg. Was- sir Greg, you have to know that uh, me and you haven't been Netflix subscribers for a while. I've recently resubscribed, but uh, th- they told me that things are changing, and I got an email, and uh, apparently our friends at Netflix want to make things right, and they're saying that. Uh, There's great news. Great news for all Netflix subscribers, including Canadians. All superhero comic fans, please rejoice. Over the next couple of months, Netflix is adding new movies to its superhero film collection, many based on Marvel classics, uh, as well as other over-the-top heroes. And let me give you a list here. The the following titles are available now or coming soon to Netflix. X-Men First Class, Transformers Dark Side of the Moon, Thor, Thor, Captain America, The First Avenger, Iron Man 2, A Night's Tale, Sky Captain, The World Tomorrow, and more to come. And I got to say that me, I'm going to date myself here now, guys, but I know I remember going to Blockbuster Video here in Canada and renting a video for six ninety nine and being late two days with it. it would be, you know, a $13 charge for one movie on videotape. And now for, you know, 7.99 in Canada, you can get a monthly subscription and look at all these great movies and they're going to give away a free 6-month subscription and an Apple TV device to one lucky Book Guys show listener. And to enter, you got to send us a creative photo of yourself or your child or a pet or some sort of sentient robot servant holding your favorite superhero comic book. And the most creative, most entertaining picture is going to win six months of free Netflix and Apple TV device. And there you go. So just send your picture to netflix at bookguys.ca. And all the book guys and book girls from the upcoming sister show will be the judges. Uh, But get in as early as you can. Get those pictures in. We'll post them on the site. And uh, we will take uh, user commentary into consideration. But uh, we're going to pick one picture of someone or someone's kid or someone's robot or someone's dog or cat holding their favorite comic book and we're going to give you that prize.
4: So they get six months of Netflix and the Apple TV? And the Apple TV. Straight from The Apple TV that showed up at our shop today. (laughs) Exactly. Oh man, I have to give that away? (laughs) Absolutely. I am so sad now.
0: Uh, let's move on. That's to a great s- prize. <laughs> it is a great prize. Thank you very much, Netflix. And uh, they are proving me wrong that, uh, you know, I, I really was bitching at them. that They didn't have good content. And, and they were like, shut up, Paul. Here's some I'm, great content we got. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that they're listening to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised they're listening to us. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to it. We're going to do some strange author facts. Sir Jeff Smith, we need a, a jingle for that. And uh, we're going to chime in here. I'm going to start off with, uh, strange author of facts, Ray Bradbury. And you know, I'm a Ray Bradbury fan. And I didn't even know this. Ray Bradbury doesn't use computers. In an interview with Rob Couteau, uh, when asked why he doesn't use computers, um, not, he doesn't even use them to write, to write his books or uh, to have written any of his books. Uh, Bradbury said, quote, I can write faster on a typewriter than you can on a computer. I do t- 120 words a minute. And you can't do that on a computer, so I don't need anything. That's plenty fast.
2: Tom, how did you write Boiling Point? With a napkin at the bar or what?
1: <laughs> I wrote most of Boiling Point on an IBM PS2.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's very close to what Bradbury wrote his with. He, yeah. he wrote it on an IBM Selectric.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing, just one's not networked. One's clackier the, uh, than the other, but I'm yes. not sure which.
0: <laughs> well, well, Cluteau, uh, in that same interview, asked him, so you were saying this, that, that technology hasn't caught up with you? And uh, Bradbury responded with, well, if it won't be any more efficient than my IBM Selectric or Tom Merritt's, you know, IBM PS2, why should I buy it? It's for corrections, you know? Then I give it to my daughter and she has a computer and she puts it in, she corrects it, and we have a record. So we have the best of both worlds, <laughs> you know? And uh, Greg, of course, we know another strange author fact about Ray Bradbury.
4: Uh, he likes to refer to it as Fahrenheit 451.
0: That's right. Not 451. It's uh not 451. <laughs> when we talked to Scott Brick, he actually said that uh, he was told once uh, he was just about to narrate uh, Fahrenheit 451 in audiobook format. And he was uh, hanging out with a bunch of uh, different authors and audiobook narrators. And he referred to it as 451. And and I can't remember. No,
4: he said 451. And the gentleman yeah. beside him said, no, Bradbury doesn't do that shit. It's four five one. <laughs> yeah.
0: son. I think uh, it might have been uh, Orson Scott Card who turned to him and said, Bradbury hates that shit. Don't ever yeah. say that to him.
3: Yeah, and it I was, would love to be in a room with the two of them.
0: Oh, <laughs> you know what, guys? If you want to have a great guest for uh, Sword and Laser, please. Scott Brick. <laughs> he's, he's got so much inside information. He's just a brilliant, brilliant guest. Good uh, to know. Sir Jimmy, how are you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah, Orson Scott Card lives right here in Greensboro, North Carolina, guys. That's right. Yeah. Well, oh, he, really? I see him at Starbucks every morning.
3: Get out! That's funny. I'm
2: totally getting out. I haven't. I have no oh, idea never, where he lives. No, 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 no. idea. Okay. Didn't think so. No, I think he's he, he's in a gated community somewhere in the sky. <laughs> I want to jump down here. I want to talk about Peter Dinklage's. As the new Wolverine. I'm jumping straight to it it. because I know these guys are huge fans of Mr. Dinklage.
0: I know. Veronica, Tom, uh, Mr. Dinklage, you know, we will jump around. What do you guys think of of Peter Dinklage as Wolverine?
3: Um, I mean, is that, wait, is this really happening? I'm
2: confused. That can't really be happening. (laughs) No, according to Marvel, they say that Wolverine is actually five foot two. And Hugh Jackman is six two,
0: Peter Dinklage four five. Yeah, but Dinklage, you know? Peter Peter Dinklage is actually closer in height to Wolverine than Hugh Jackman is. Hugh Jackman. Peter is Dinklage
3: about, is hot. I mean, I would watch that movie.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? Wolverine's a short dude, and and Peter Dinklage is only about five inches uh, shorter than Wolverine, and Hugh Jackman is a full foot taller than Wolverine. Mm-hmm. So so uh, you know, and he's Peter Dinklage is brilliant. I mean. To me, he's the heart of the HBO TV series. His look, if you can hop, have Elijah
1: Wood play a hobbit, you can have anyone you want be the right size of Wolverine. So it's you, all would, about
0: whether yeah, you add
1: a few inches to Dinklage or, you're or right. pull Jackman down a few. And, and, and it's talk, all about
0: yeah, it. sex. And, and if we look at Jack- uh, the, the Lord of the Rings uh, movie trilogy, uh, the, the dwarf in that movie was, is the tallest guy in the whole cast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, That's Peter Rice Davies. is Huge. Yeah, he's 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 towering.
3: Do you just have IMDb open all the time? How do you do that?
1: No, I just, I knew Reese. You Davies, just knew that he one. Was at, he was, was one? in Sliders. He also. Ah, did I, the, I loved him also, in Sliders. He's also the guy who says, uh,
4: "Bad Dates." Yeah, <laughs> yeah bad, <laughs> dates. bad dates.
0: <laughs> Sliders, another fine low-budget Canadian television show.
3: <laughs> I loved that show. Oh yeah, I actually
0: uh, own a couple that, seasons of that show. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get those on Netflix for sure.
3: I would rewatch that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. When they were drawing
4: the Game of Thrones book here, the the graphic novel, they were actually not allowed to draw uh Tyrion Lannister anything like Peter Dinklage. They had to actually buy by contract get away from everything that HBO did.
3: Hmm. Really. So-
4: so yeah, the, it, this this book is actually really really interesting because at the back they did discuss some of the some of the uh, challenges that they had, some of the con- concepts that they were working through with George R R Martin, and uh, the difficulties that they had when they were going from say for instance a moving medium, uh, HBO the television series, and the printed medium. And then trying to put that into still pictures and, and, and deciding which pieces of dialogue to include and which, which uh, footnotes to include. Well,
0: Yeah, yeah and, the, the iteration of uh, Game of Thrones you see on HBO is, of course, uh, copyrighted by the uh, home box by, office. Yeah. By
4: HBO. So all the imagery there, including the uh, the throne. So this has an entirely different throne. It has entirely different White Walkers. It has entirely different others. It has uh, nobody looks the same. I've showed you that. I showed you this today, Polly, and, and I could pull. Any, yeah. up, I could pull up any panel. If you yeah, right, Greg catalog,
0: was p- was picking out uh, random pages and saying, "Who's that?" I'm like, mm, I don't know. You'd never. you never <laughs> guess.
4: And I just. Thought, I think it's fascinating. So you could actually go through this and and almost read it fresh.
0: But you know, is, the, there, there was really- a lot of uh, ancillary products also from the Lord of the Rings series. Same thing where. Um, you know, they had the, the copyright to all the, the actors and all the sets. And, uh, there was a lot of books that came out around that, that, uh, yeah, they couldn't make the characters look anything like, the, you know, the ones from the movie.
4: Another point I'd like to mention is that Veronica Belmont is the first person I ever saw on the Iron Throne other than, uh, a, a cast member of HBO.
3: <laughs> nice. <laughs> when she,
4: when she tweeted that, the picture.
3: You can also see my, uh, my what was it? Was that at Comic-Con or was it at WonderCon? I think you can see my badge, too, on the on the throne also. Yeah. Well, it kind of takes you out Wonder at Wonder the God. moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was WonderCon last
4: year. Was that the plastic one? Because they just brought that, they brought one to Toronto a couple of weeks ago that I got to sit on. But I was actually kind of disappointed because it was really narrow and plastic.
3: No, it was, this was pretty realistic looking.
4: It was made of swords? It was, it, was
3: it was not made of swords.
4: Oh, okay.
0: But it was pretty badass. I have to ask. you guys were on. The, I'm not sure if
4: it's the same one you were on. But. You
0: guys were on the, the throne that was touring. Is it made of plastic?
4: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I'm sure. It, I mean, they can't haul around this iron thing. It's it very well crafted. It looks metal. It, it's fantastic. I know that there's one. Okay, sad story. Just getting there it through one,
1: security alone. Was yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> there was one poor gentleman who was not actually able to sit in it.
0: Oh, oh a little too that's big. sad.
4: Yes. Oh, Peter Westeggis yeah. was there.
0: I had a little bit of schadenfreude for him. Schadenfreude. Yes. Today's German word of the day. It's uh, one of
3: my favorite words ever.
0: <laughs> it is a great word. <laughs> you know what? We're, we're going to skip ahead right into book news. Just because we can. Uh, I got to admit to everyone here. Uh, some of these stories I didn't talk about last Sunday because I was so afraid that they were April Fool's jokes. <laughs> So I really stayed away from the ones I couldn't confirm. And the the one You're
4: you're rubbing it in, that's what you're doing, because I got totally hosed on that the ne- thing- necromancer hoodie.
0: <laughs> no, the Think Geek exam of the week, I already told you, Greg. Um I, I thought mine was real for sure too. Think Geek's good at that. But uh, here's one, Greg, you know why I thought this one was an April Fool's joke and I didn't talk about it. Uh I'm titling this Spectaclism No More. Uh, Amazon on the twenty seventh announced that all seven of J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter books are now available in the Kindle ebook readers. So right away, I said, "No, nah, this has to be a you know April Fool's joke." Because it makes sense. Because it makes sense. And she, she hasn't done anything that makes sense in the last <laughs> year and a half. And here's the quote: "For years, our well, no, other than firing her publicist, um, for years our customer, her agent, sorry." For years, our customers have loved reading Harry Potter books in print and have made them the best-selling print book series on Amazon.com. Yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, yeah, they got them on. And <laughs> the, the Harry Potter series eBooks are also available in libraries through Overdrive, Ingram, and 3M. Uh, so it looks like, uh, according to our theory, I think we're right with our theory, that uh, J.K. Rowling fired her agent because he made this deal to make the spectacleism that we call... Uh, Harry Potter, Pottermore.com. Pottermore. Pottermore. Oh, just to give Tom and Veronica background, we invented a word for this. Spectacle plus cataclysm equals (laughs) Pottermore.com. That's her taking her books out of bookstores and libraries. So when it all started, she wasn't in libraries anymore or bookstores. And no one is that big an author, even the biggest author in the universe, which is J.K. Rowling currently. You're not so big that your books don't des- that you can create your own platform, right? And when she started getting all the fallback, all the blowback do mean, from this, do you mean just the ebooks were not in bookstores? Or yeah, just of- you know, her physical books were still in stores, yeah, okay, but her ebooks, e- yeah, so e-books,
1: she, she yanked the ebooks out,
0: she yanked and her I, ebooks I and audiobooks, taking
1: them out of bookstores, as a matter of fact, because of the whole uh DRM issue and, yeah. and this and that. I could see some some rationalizations, not allowing the libraries to have copies of it.
0: Yeah, and originally she didn't uh, allow her books on the Overdrive, Ingram, 3M systems that run the libraries. There's only three major ones that run all the libraries. And she also pulled, and I think currently her audiobooks are not available anywhere on Earth. Uh, She did pull those from Audible and Audiobooks.com and iTunes and Amazon. Her audiobooks are still in limbo as well. And I just, you know, at the time, we were just like, oh, you're not that big. Even though you're the world's biggest author as far as sales, you're still not that big. That entire store should be created for you. Do you yeah, yeah. Don't
2: know
3: you're if just, I agree
4: with that. <laughs> you're just punishing your own your own fans that way.
3: Well, but I mean, the books are available now and you can get them for, for $7.99 and, and 10 bucks. And I think it's good that she's taking control of her own IP.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the one way to look at it. I, I mean, I know that you can't buy the audiobooks for a discount, right? If I've got an Audible membership, right. for instance, I'm going to have to pay full price for these because I can only buy them from Pottermore. And uh, the ebooks the same way. But because of that, she controls how they're delivered and how they can be used. And when you buy an ebook from her, you can use it on any book. Yeah, that's not e-book. true of a Kindle book. So there's, a, there's an upside to it as well. I, I'm, I'm well, just checking, checking your Audible your right now,
0: and I'm, I'm giving you guys a live update. You can still not buy a J.K. Rowling book on Audible. Uh, we just checking on Audible,
1: but you can buy an audiobook from Pottermore.com.
4: But when you, you use your tokens on Audible, does the author still get full value for, like, is Audible eating it or is the. No, author- because
3: you're, you're paying for your subscription. Right. So money so is still going go to go to the creator.
4: The, the creator still gets the money. Whether you use uh, your token or whether you purchase it on Audible, it, it doesn't make a difference. They still
0: get their money. Right. You know, my my so, whole thing is I hate DRM, so uh, so you th-
3: should be happy because she doesn't have DRM in any of her 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 books. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's going
2: to work on a lot more devices. It
3: will One. work on every device that plays EPUB, which is every ebook reader.
0: Well, that's brilliant then. But uh, yeah, again, she's got the fame to to do this. But what if uh, there's someone trying to discover new books on audio on let's say Audible or Amazon or iTunes. And they don't know about Harry Potter. They're that one in a million that doesn't know about Harry Potter. They're not going to discover her books. What I'm saying is she's going to get a a kind of a a fade away of her fame uh, because people today will discover uh, books that were written 50 years ago because they're on Audible, because they're in the bookstore. If your book is not in the bookstore that people are going to, if your books are not there, eventually, you know, it's going to fade.
3: You know what? I think she'll be just fine.
2: Yeah, she's got a, she's got a long time to sell these books to kids that haven't been born yet. This reminds me of maybe what Salinger would have done if he'd have wrote Catcher in the Rye in 1996.
0: Listen, I'm just doing my job as the uh, you know the devil's advocate here. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and you know what? You can when you go to Amazon and you search for Harry Potter, there's a Kindle edition listed. And when you click to buy, it says "Buy at Pottermore and it just takes you to her site.
0: Yeah, well, that was a that was March 27th, Tom. That uh, she made a deal with them. She was not available as the 26th. And that's but what you're, you're concerned saying about going forward. She,
1: she probably got rid of her agent who was preventing her from <laughs> making that kind of deal. That's right. He's fired. I I think it's great that she is saying, "Look, I'm the author. I I, I should control my work." I think you're right that she should have it available in as many places as possible. But if she has to come to these sorts of arrangements and maybe do a little brinksmanship with a place like Amazon, which throws their weight around just as much as J.K. Rowling is, maybe that's what she had to do to get them to agree to give her that
0: byling. I stand corrected. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're right, Tom. And, uh, you know, the the authors are, are, you know, it's been the last five years. The authors are taking back their power. And you're not seeing... Uh, these deals where the author gets 10% anymore. I mean, the authors are getting, as uh, self-published authors are getting minimum 70% of the income in, now. And it looks like uh, she's taking control. Absolutely.
2: Yes, like Diddy said, content is king.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and moving on to the next story. In Canada, Nova Scotia's South Shore Public Libraries has stopped acquiring ebooks from Random House to protest the publisher's recent price increase on digital titles. Now, uh libraries uh, are book boycotting Random because what they call unfair ebook pricing. The company began charging public libraries up to 3 times the retail price for downloadable ebooks last month. Uh, here's an example, guys. The the price for libraries for a copy of Catherine the Great, Portrait of a Woman by Robert K. Massey spiked to $85 in late March from $30 in January. And uh you can buy the same book for twenty to twenty-five through Kindle or Amazon. Was that a mistake
4: or some sort of logarithm gone <laughs> no, bad? No, th-
0: this is this is price gouging. Uh, you know what they're saying is, well, libraries normally buy books at these inflated prices or may not, but they have to replace them. They say, well, you have to replace them because you know they wear out. You know, physical books wear out. So rather than charging you twenty, we're charging you eighty-five for an ebook. Ebooks don't wear out. So that's the whole yeah, point. You don't need a library binding for an ebook. Right. And, and then the problem with uh, the ebook systems now, and that includes uh, Overdrive, Ingram, and the 3M system that's Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing in the United States. Uh, all these three major systems that run 95% of the libraries in North America is they're not selling the ebook. Um, y- your library doesn't buy one ebook, it buys one license to an ebook. So again, DRM. Uh, not only, the problem here isn't the DRM to the consumer, it's the DRM to the library. So these libraries are tied in by millions of dollars. If they buy 6 million books, let's say, let's say the Toronto library system buys 6 million books through Ingram or Overdrive, they're, they're now, they now own a license to these books through Overdrive for Toronto. And quite often these uh, deals involve an exclusivity contract. So, they can't just go out and, and speak to Ingram now and get more other books. They're stuck with this contract. So, if, if Overdrive decides to change all their prices from $30 to lease for 10 years to $85, they're screwed. They're screwed because they can't just add on another uh, ebook licensor or ebook middleman to their library system because their contract says we can only deal with overdrive. And this is what Random House is doing is increasing these prices from 20 to 85 and it's making it very difficult for small libraries to to deal with. I mean, you know, the Toronto library system can probably absorb some of this cost but uh, for, you know, a small library in a small town, they're, they're having issues, But you know, licensing a book for five years or 10 years, whatever the, the contract is for $85 when they could just go out and buy a physical book for nine dollars at the thrift store. I mean, this is not really helping ebooks evolved, you know. The libraries are much rather, you know, especially libraries with, you know, only eighty thousand dollars to spend a year on books, they're not gonna even get these library systems in. They're gonna go out and buy physical books.
3: <laughs> I don't have anything to refute to that. <laughs>
4: I, I still think that the, that's got to be the $85 is, has got to be a, a totally unintentional number. There's someone who's who got to slap upside the head with a, a floppy disk after
0: that. Well, you know what? Apparently, uh, this South Shore, and we're talking Nova Scotia, so obviously small market, Mr. Greg. You know that the population in Nova Scotia is.
1: Uh, Our set designers for Nova Scotia, so. <laughs> oh, there
0: Good you go. Good things come from it. But uh, I'm just saying, there's, there's probably a lot less uh, library visitors in Nova Scotia than are in Toronto. I mean, we're, we're the hub of Canada; we have more traffic, yada yada yada. But still, eighty-five dollars, really, uh, and um, <laughs> yeah, random hey, house, you, not good. Did you know that you could
4: buy the entire Hunger Games District Twelve town for one point four million? <laughs> the little town, the little town that they. That they filmed the Hunger Games District twelve.
2: North Carolina.
4: It, is is on yeah. no, it was a little place in uh, was it North Carolina? Yeah, they filmed North, yeah. the North, they're right in Sir Jimmy's hometown.
0: Right. It's yeah.
4: on <laughs> And that's where they filmed the District twelve scenes? It's on sale for one point four million. Seventy two acres or something like that. You can buy the whole darn thing. There's your piece of uh, movie history. <laughs> All right, if We're anybody tours wants to and stuff, I think too.
2: Yeah, if anybody wants to know why Jennifer Lawrence's face was so round, it's because of the barbecue here in North Carolina. Aww. Oh, just saying. Too soon. No, she she just like you guys were saying, didn't look like she was starving to me.
4: <laughs> she said she doesn't mind. She'd rather do that than diet.
3: Good. Hey. Well, good for her. I, I think that's great. I, I think she was. I think she looks gorgeous. But for, she, for oh, the she did story, look gorgeous. Yeah. For the story, it maybe didn't fit so much to be to be healthy.
0: I'm going to second that.
2: <laughs> I don't know why I pictured Peter being taller.
3: Peter was pretty tall. He was pretty tall.
2: Asheville. Okay, so this is 70 miles away from Asheville, North Carolina. No, Peter wasn't tall. The other guy was tall. Peter's like. The
3: oh, you're boy right. From- Gale was tall. Gail. Yeah. is yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: like the little boy from Bridge to Terabithia. Gail was handsome. <laughs> Rugged. Just saying.
0: Here's another story that I thought was an April Fool's joke, and that's why I didn't report it last Sunday. Uh, Ashton Kutcher to play Steve Jobs. Uh, Now, when I uh, was looking at this story, they were talking about how uh, Five Star Institute was financing the film. And I knew that the film, uh, based on Walter Isaacson's book that I really enjoyed and Sir Jimmy really enjoyed, uh, is being produced by Sony Pictures. So that threw up a red flag for me. And I said, well, I'm not Mm -hmm. reporting it. But apparently it is true. Ashton Kutcher is playing Steve Jobs in a film not related to the Sony Pictures uh, film. So,
2: so does that mean we're going to have to see a lot of Ashton Kutcher's feet and see how he cries on screen?
0: <laughs> Something like that. But this one is not the uh, the Walter Isaacson uh, book. So this is uh, not authorized, not, uh, not the Sony Picture. So we're, we're looking at two Steve Jobs books coming out soon. Uh, we're going to see the Belly. Yeah.
1: One of, uh, one of our Tech News Today fans and Frame Rate fans uh, sent me a note. He, he works in the industry uh, back, I don't know, four months ago and said, it's going to be Ashton Kutcher. And okay. Turns out he was right.
0: Yeah, yeah no he, kidding. You didn't
1: believe him at the time either, did I didn't. You? I like, <laughs> well, he, yeah. really,
3: he really looks like, like he a looks young Steve He looks like a
1: young Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah, it's, he it's does. It's really He's actually pretty uncanny, although
3: yeah. I do not like Ashton Kutcher.
1: But, but but they focus on the, Why don't you like Ashton Kutcher?
3: Why? Because he's a scumbag. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. <laughs> I guess that would turn Everybody you off. Just covers much covers it. He's a.
0: Douchebag.
3: I mean, I like that he's involved with. He had, ooh, do that again.
0: I can. What was that, uh, Veronica? What kind of person is he?
3: He's a douchebag. douchebag. There you go. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I just want your soundtrack to like be in my head at all times. Um,
0: <laughs> I'll bail you that anyway, long, I feel along with your bad because I know jingle. a lot of
3: people who know him personally, and he works with a lot of startups, and I think that's great. But I just the whole Hollywood Playboy thing is is very unappealing to me.
2: He, he seems a little full of himself. He can't yeah. help but even smile when he sees the camera facing.
1: Yeah, oh, what are you gonna do? That's at the camera
0: commercial, right?
2: Oh, yeah, that too. He's got it all
0: covered. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to... Comic books,
2: comic books, comic books. Uh, Do you just
0: have
3: a full orchestra, like, in your studio right now? Yeah, they are here. How is this working?
4: (laughs) Can I I give you the little uh, inside baseball? Paul was working on clips for about three months before we ever did our first podcast that's right <laughs> i'm not it's not even an exaggeration i he, love coming come work he's like oh my god you gotta see the one that he, listen to this listen to this listen to this <laughs> eat some steak
0: uh, canada's <laughs> forgotten Gosh, comic did. book heroes and their creators is the subject of a feature documentary currently being filmed under the auspices of winnipeg production company farpoint films and toronto's middle child films lost heroes a journey to recover a forgotten part of canada's pop culture uh, Will rapid shoot this month, with footage shot right here in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, and L.A. I don't know how L.A. figures into the whole Canadian thing, but uh, the film is being written and directed by Will Pasco, Noam Chomsky, uh, who describes the doc as a seventy-year story of how we created and then forgot a slice of our own creative heritage. Uh, so, so Greg, I think we're looking at Captain don't Canuck. Puck,
4: <laughs> it's gonna be puck. Captain Canuck. Wolverine. Puck, Wolverine.
0: That's it. That's all um, I can think of. <laughs> oh, wasn't wasn't there Sasquatch? Sasquatch, yeah. The whole um, alpha flight, alpha flight. Yeah, that's right.
4: But uh, other, and than... I was going to uh, say Noam Chomsky. Isn't he the guy who did that? All those nine um, eleven. Yeah,
0: yeah. He, he he does a lot of political stuff, but uh, the, the, we he, had to suffer through those with the comic with, book wise. Uh, comic book wise, Greg. Really? Oh, okay. Who do we have other than Captain Canuck and Wolverine? <laughs> and even then, in in like the X Men films. Uh, you know, they took him away from us. Yeah, he was he American in, in the in the Hollywood films.
4: I can't think of it. I mean, everybody's every, every Canadian's favorite is Wolverine, and then yeah. Puck. Uh, <laughs> and then you've got then you, you know
0: then what they were Puck's he power. Had, he was just a little guy. He was just a little. He was a circus performer. Yeah, <laughs> he could, and he was hairy. That that was our that one was Canadian superpower. He was huh? like Yoda in, uh, yeah. in episode two. Except without all the superpowers. He was just hairy and small.
4: Yeah, but he, uh, he bounced around. Remember when Yoda in Yoda in episode two, where everyone was like, oh my God, Yoda
0: can, can sword right. well, fight, and he was
4: bouncing around? Well, That's one last comic the book
0: story here. Stanley has put himself into his latest comic book. Hm. Stanley is bringing into the pages of his own comic book as a character based on himself, who rubs elbows with superheroes. Call it a cameo for the reality TV age. A quote from him, somehow I think the only thing that could tarnish my legacy would be Well, in fact, I can't think of anything that could tarnish it because those things have already been done and nobody can take them back. His new series, Stan Lee's Mighty Seven, which hits stores this week, is inspired by reality television and throws into the mix real-life characters like Stan Lee himself. Stan Lee said, Everything I'm doing, I'm trying to do in the same way because when I did Spider-Man and Iron Man and all the others, I was trying to do something different. He said there had never been a teenage superhero like Spider-Man. And the Mighty Seven, basically, uh, the, these superheroes come from outer space. And they come down and they meet uh, regular people, uh, most of them celebrities. He's trying to write them in a reality TV format. So when these superheroes meet and, and deal with Stan Lee, 89-year-old super comic creator, he's not going to have any superpowers. He's trying to write himself into the story as if he were himself. In modern day, and meeting the superheroes, and he's introducing other people that are famous, and they've agreed to be in this uh, comic book, the Stan Lee's Mighty Seven, and uh, he's having a great time with this. And he said, "You know what? This is what I do. I take what's popular, and I'm turned into a comic book and reality TV series. Here we go." Well, his his characters have always been. I mean, that's what
4: made Marvel so successful is, is that all the characters were grounded in reality. I mean. Peter Parker was just a normal kid. He would, and, and I think happened, yeah, I
0: think Peter was Parker was the first was,
4: uh, teenage so just, superhero. Well, sure, and he was the super first superhero who had difficulty, had problems. He wasn't Superman who was just all omnipotent. You know that was what made that's what Stanley has always said set his characters apart is the fact that they had internal conflict and and yeah. just like you know regular Absolutely. normal everyday people.
1: I got one well, more. Stanley do that show. Who wants to be a superhero?
0: Oh, I, I didn't know about that one. <laughs> it was on Sci-Fi Network here in the states. Well, you know like we're, we're, 2006, in so- 2007. we're in two thousand six, two thousand seven. We're in Soviet Kazakhstan. We get everything like five years later.
2: <laughs> one of the Mighty Seven uh, superheroes is going to be named Laser Lord. I wonder if one of them Sword Guy.
0: Ooh, that'd be so cool. Sword and laser. It'd be um, Sword Maiden. <laughs> Uh, we, we got one more story here in news, uh, in the book news, and I know you guys got to go. We all got to go. But, uh, you know, since you guys love the jingle so much, why not this one?
2: Food and drink.
0: <sighs> Food and drink. I rarely play that one on this show. I don't think I've ever played it, actually. were
2: well, you guys drinking anything f- tonight? Sure you did. i drinking for, uh,
3: wine, but nothing, nothing too fancy.
2: Really I'd love, love to hear your wine choices.
0: You know, i got to say, Veronica, Tom, I'm going to miss the What Are We Drinking segment.
3: <laughs> are you still going to do <laughs> we that? We still on? do it on the audio show.
0: Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's yeah, good. Usually oh, yeah, something from not going Trader anymore. Joe's. <laughs> usually. Almost always, yeah. Uh, food and drink. German firm. Uh, Greg, you have to help me here. Uh, Greg is the our, our Deutsche uh, representative here. K-O-R-E-F-E. Korfe? Korfe? Korfe. Yes. They have made the world's first edible cookbook. So the pages of the book are made of 100% fresh pasta and they become the layers of the lasagna that the recipe uh, you know, teaches you how to do. How cool is that? <laughs> so you, you buy the book, you flip through it, you read the, the recipe, and then the actual book itself becomes the layers of the lasagna. And there's a link over at bookguys.ca or bookgirls.ca, your preference.
2: That reads delicious.
0: It reads delicious. Tom and Veronica, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Really, Thank you for having us. It was fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. It was a good time. This is good times. And where where can people find your video podcast, your audio podcast? Please plug away Shameless Plugs.
3: Uh, well, um, on YouTube, it's at youtube.com slash sundry or swordandlaser.geekandsundry.com and uh, our regular website is swordandlaser.com and all of our discussions are on Goodreads.
0: Brilliant. Go subscribe.
3: Yes, please.
0: Do it now. It's a great please. show. It's one of my favorite book shows. And that music means that it's time to go. Sir Jimmy, Greg Ott, Tom, Veronica, say goodbye to all the constant listeners.
4: Goodbye Goodbye to all the
0: constant listeners Thank you (laughs) And folks we'll see you again next week Next week we'll be live again on the No Agenda stream And uh, we will return at the same book time And the same book channel Stay tuned book readers And book listeners Paul the book guy will
4: be back next week Same book time Same book channel